As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. The world is constantly changing and transforming. Cut through some of the noise with What's New with Wired, a podcast that goes in-depth on the latest news in technology and culture. Their award-winning journalism will help you make sense of what's happening in the world. Listen to What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts. That's What's New with Wired wherever you get your podcasts. Pokemon is just fantastic. The video games, the show, and of course the playing cards. Countless childhood hours have been spent on these pocket monsters, and well, countless adulthood hours for that matter too. Challenge me to Gen 6 random battle if you want to see just how many hours we're talking about here. In and amongst all of this though, these starry-eyed children have grown up, found full-time jobs, and learned that the real world isn't quite as fun as running around with your friends collecting gym badges. And perhaps this is part of the reason that certain Pokemon cards are now worth more than most brand new cars. You may have seen this phenomenon slowly taking over the internet with YouTubers dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars on packs of Pokemon playing cards, but what is going on here? Surely a nostalgia trip is not worth a house deposit, even for people who are incredibly wealthy. What's more is that this isn't just some obscure market filled with eccentric millionaires. There are hundreds of thousands of participants buying, selling, and trading thousands of cards for millions of dollars every single day. All during a time of massive economic turbulence where these same households might be struggling to find a job or pay rent. So, what has been behind the boom in the value of Pokemon cards? Could this be a genuine investment vehicle? Or is this all heading towards being the next Beanie Baby bubble? To an outside observer, this whole thing can look very strange. What effectively amounts to children's toys are being sold back and forth between mostly working age professional adults for astronomical amounts of money. But maybe this is not all mindless hype. We explored in a video last week that supply and demand often works in mysterious ways to give us prices that we wouldn't normally expect. So, let's peel back the foil and see what is behind this price explosion. Now, this bizarre market is best approached from supply and demand separately. On the supply side, Pokemon cards have all of the hallmarks of a collectible item. They are relatively rare and no longer in production. And this is the first big thing that needs to be cleared up for all of the people who aren't active within this market. Most Pokemon cards out there are worth pretty much nothing. If you were to go into GameStop or whatever and buy some cards, you might pay about 5 bucks for a pack of 12, and as soon as you've opened them up, they would be worth pretty much nothing. Current edition retail cards are pretty easy to get a hold of, and they are still being made in factories all around the world as we speak. The cards that are actually making the headlines are early edition cards, and it's pretty much a case of the earlier the better. These cards were first circulated in the late 1990s and were hugely popular. Pokemon made a lot of them, but here's the thing. Of the first edition collection, only a few particular cards are actually worth that much. The first edition Charizard, which is the card that today sells for over $100,000, well, they were rare even back then. 
back when they were being thrown around a school playground, other less desirable cards from the first edition might sell for a couple bucks, and that's if the seller has even bothered to put them up on eBay. This age is such a big factor, because once a generation of Pokemon cards is finished, they will never be printed again. They even come with an addition badge to signify this fact. This is a real problem, because back in the 1990s when a card got sold, it was almost always given to a grubby little kid with grubby little hands who would take it to trade with their grubby little friends. Spirited battles in the playground and nothing but a rubber band to keep all of these cards together meant that a vast majority of even the rarest cards from this generation have been destroyed. Even if these cards did survive, it's extremely unlikely that they would be in good condition, which is another hit to the supply side of this equation. Condition is everything. There is a company called Professional Sports Authenticator, or more commonly known as PSA, which exists entirely to grade things like trading cards. The company's largest operation today is, surprise surprise, Pokemon cards. The company will give a PSA score of 0 to 10, 0 being basically illegible garbage and 10 being beyond a factory perfect. That's right, a brand new card direct from the factory, even back in 1999, might not have received a perfect PSA score of 10 if there were any issues with things like print centering or how well the card was cut out. Now PSA scores are also very important. A first edition Charizard with a perfect PSA score of 10? Well yeah, that might very well sell for six figures. If it was to have a PSA score of 7.5, it would still be expensive, but it probably would only fetch a few grand. Any lower than that, and it's probably going to be worth pretty much nothing. So don't go rummaging through your old school bag, you're probably going to be disappointed. All of this paints a pretty clear picture. There are not many first edition cards left. Of those that are left, not many are in good condition. And even of the cards that are left in good condition, most of them don't have exciting characters like Blastoise or Charizard. Now I know what the entrepreneurial amongst you might be thinking. Let's go buy up some current edition Pokemon cards for a few bucks at a local retailer, wait for them to go out of production, and then reap a massive profit. Well, sorry to burst your bubble, but this isn't going to work. What makes early edition cards so valuable is that nobody thought to do this, so most of them were lost. The current edition cards are cool and all, but current buyers are on average taking a lot better care of them, so it's unlikely to ever have the same level of scarcity. When you combine all of these limiting factors with the fact that none of these will ever be printed again, well yeah, that pretty much covers the supply side. But here's the thing, there's probably only a few dozen boxes of Pop-Tart Crunch left in the world. That would make it rarer than any Pokemon card, and I'm sure it too had many positive childhood memories. Even still, these boxes of cereal are not selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars, so there has to be something else going on to bulk up demand. Economists recognise a range of factors that will influence demand for a product. One of the biggest ones is the price of competing goods. If you are tossing up between two identical washing machines but one is cheaper than the other, chances are you are going to buy the cheaper machine. If the more expensive machine suddenly put on a 50% off sale, well then your decision would most likely change all over again. People shop around for cheaper options, especially when they're spending a lot of money, like let's say a few thousand dollars on a playing card. Pokemon cards don't really have alternatives though. Sure, there are other card games, but if you want to play with a Pokemon card, you have to get the ones produced from the Pokemon company. 
Utility is another major factor. People are willing to pay more for a good that is better or more reliable at doing something. Now, Pokemon cards are basically just cardboard. Reliability shouldn't be a major factor here, but some cards are better than others. Of course, we saw that cards in better condition fetch slightly higher prices, but in terms of actual utility value, most of the high-priced cards are actually not that good. You could pull out a first edition Charizard in a Pokemon card battle today. All the different editions can be used in and against one another, but it's not a very good card. I mean, it's decent. However, there has been a gradual power creep over later editions of Pokemon cards, which means that there are a lot better cards in the game that are a lot cheaper. This is probably something that a lot of you watching may have forgotten, which is that these cards are part of a game. You are supposed to play with them. Even still, for all intents and purposes, the usefulness of these cards in battle has very little to do with their value on the market. Now on a macro level, demand is also influenced by income. If more people are making more money, they will be able to buy more goods or have the ability to pay a higher price for the goods that they already purchase. The aforementioned grubby little kids from the 1990s have all grown up and now they are in their late 20s or early 30s with jobs and incomes of their own. So, the buying power of the target market has certainly increased, but it's not like this is a new development. If anything, the demographic that has the most affinity to these cards has been having a particularly rough time in 2020. Unemployment has spiked and a lot of younger workers are struggling to pay rent, let alone drop a few grand on a toy. This all leaves us with the last big determinant of demand the expectation for future price rises. If a share is selling for $100 today, but you think it will be worth $200 tomorrow, you would buy that share. The same is true for all other kinds of perceived investments. We have explored the resale market for things like Rolexes and sneakers before on this channel, and a big driver of that demand was the idea that people could buy these items, enjoy them, and then sell them off at a later date, maybe even making a profit. Even beyond actually enjoying them, maybe they are just straight up good investments. People are constantly told to invest, but they are also told to never invest in things that they don't understand. Financial markets are filled with things like disintermediation maps, SPACs, profitless companies, imputated interests, Wall Street bets and historic highs during a global disaster, all equally hard to make sense of. I mean, I have a master's degree in this field, I have spent years working in it, and I still don't understand half of this bullshit. It's easy to see why people put it in the too hard basket, and then look to something like trading cards as a quirky alternative. This expectation of price rise then leads to a price rise, and on and on as more people jump on board with it. This perception has also shifted the market for these cards and made them into what is known as an ostentatious good. An ostentatious good is something that is demanded because it is expensive. The fact that people are willing to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a Pokemon card gives an aura of legitimacy to spending $1,000 on your own more modest collection. This is slightly distinct from Giffen goods, which people purchase just to look rich, but for the sake of Pokemon cards, you could probably call it that too. People like Jake Paul wouldn't make a video about buying a case of Pokemon cards if they were only worth a couple of bucks. Sure, he might genuinely enjoy them in his own time or whatever, but a video about a $200,000 case of Pokemon cards will get a lot more attention. 
if anything, it might actually be a really cheap way for people that depend on publicity to get this attention. Spend $200,000 on a car or a house or a boat, yeah, that's practically middle class these days. Spend $200,000 on cards and you have yourself some headlines. This attention drives more demand and the cycle repeats itself all over again. So is this a bubble? Well, yeah, probably. Sure. There is a constantly decreasing supply and that's great and all, but these cards have very little utility value and a fickle audience that is only really showing interest in them again because of the price tag. Ask yourself honestly, did you click on this video because of the price tag in the thumbnail or because you thought, oh boy, a Charizard with strong HP would make a really great addition to my bench team? Sure, there are some diehard fans and that is awesome. But anybody thinking that this is a prudent investment needs to understand that it's purely speculative at best. Or, who knows, prove me wrong. I've definitely seen crazier things than a Charizard selling for a few million dollars at a Christie's auction. Pokemon is great fun, and it has brought a lot of happiness to the lives of people that enjoy it in all its forms. That happiness, and the nostalgia that comes with it, is obviously something that some people are willing to pay a lot of money for. This money attracts more money and very soon things can start to get a little bit out of hand. But if nothing else, this craziness is a great case study for what determines how we truly value things. 